0: Chaos. It was a day of living way under the potential that the people of God had. It was a day where they strained at gnats and swallowed camels. It was a day where the gifts of God lay unopened and the children played in the floor with bubble wrap. Because they, sh- they chose for themselves what they wanted, when they wanted it, What they deemed right and did not seek the Lord or His word for counsel and guidance. Elimelech went to dwell in the land of Moab. There was a famine in Judah. So stay with me on this little part of an introduction. Bethlehem means house of bread. And in Bethlehem there was no bread. What do you do when what God promises is not your experience? Elimelech... Has been specifically commanded by God. Every Israelite man knew that God abhorred, abhorred Moab. He used the phrase, Moab is my wash pot. It's the thing that holds dirty bathwater to me. The nation, the nation, the people of Moab came into being when Lot's daughters, after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, they felt that there were no men left in the earth, got their father drunk and slept with him. And through the product of incest, Moab and Ammon was born. And the Ammonites, you've heard that before, and the Moabites were constant thorns in the side of God's people and caused great conflict and, and brought in damnable false religions and false gods. And it was, it was a detestable thing, and God said, don't ever go in there. Because if you do, you're going to intermarry with their daughters And if you do that, then the children are going to be weaned on this toxic pablum of mixed religion. Don't go there. But Elimelech, which means God is my king, looked at his circumstances, sized up the need, looked on the horizon, and did what he thought was right in his own eyes. The Bible said, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, and the end thereof are the ways of death. One of the most critical forms of maturity is when you stop trusting your perception and you lean fully upon the expressed will of God found in His Word. Amen. That was good right there. Stop making your own assessment. Well, didn't God give us common sense? Yes, we're to utilize our common sense, but the final authority is the King. And if it looks like I'm supposed to go if it feels like I'm supposed to go, if all the other believers say I'm supposed to go and God says, don't go into Moab, then I make my decisions not based upon what I see, think, or feel. God is my king. This is not an issue of where is my bread. This is an issue of God or who is your king. Who is your king? God is my king, Elimelech. Let's look at why he left for Moab. If you're taking notes, number one. he left Bethlehem and went to dwell in the land of Moab because he lived by sight, not by faith. He lived by sight, not by faith. He saw that there was no bread. He saw that there was no rain. And without rain... There was no way to uh, water the crops. There was no way for crops to come. So if you've already went through the planting season and there was no real planting because there was no water, he processed and saw that this famine was not here for a short while. It's going to be here for a good while. You have to be careful because even though his assessment was accurate, his conclusion was destructive. God said, don't go live in Moab. So if, if we're carnal... You'll start to say, I know what God says, but carnal doesn't, it's not exclusively lust. Carnal means that you live by sight, feel, hearing, touch, taste, smell, feel. You're carnal man. But the just, the Bible said, the righteous people do not live by sight. We see, but we don't find our life. We don't find our guidance. We don't make our decisions based on what we see we are governed by the Word of God and motivated by the Spirit of God. Even if it contradicts what our natural eyes see. Heard a message, oh, a hundred years ago on uh, the will of God. The, the, the perfect will of God and the permissive will of God. I didn't know there were two such things, but this is what the guy preached on. But I, I, it resonated in my heart. There's safety in the perfect will of God, even when it's difficult. But you can get hit by a submarine on Riverside Drive in the permissive will of God. That wasn't funny. I I thought that was like that subtle kind of humor, you know. There's a perfect will of God for you. You may not know every answer, but you know the things that you aren't allowed to do. And Lamelech couldn't see where bread was coming from. Listen, and if he couldn't see it, then to him it did not exist. And some of you today are in the fix you're in because if you can't see it, you can't believe in it. You can't believe God for the child or for the spouse or for the healing or for the open door. And because you don't see it on the horizon, you determine that it's not coming and you take off on journeys that God has not authorized, but God has condemned. This is going to be a straightforward message here, but it's going to align us. You ever been to the chiropractor? And he... Oh, oh, I didn't realize it was that out of line. Elimelech left Bethlehem Judah because he lived by sight, not by faith. Had he been a spiritual man, he would have sought the Lord. There would have been record of him seeking the Lord for wisdom, seeking the Lord for insight, seeking the Lord for direction. God, how are you going to do these things? You are my king, and a king takes care of his subjects. But as a carnal man, talking talking to carnal people, he would have a powerful argument to leave. Let me just say this. When carnal people talk to carnal people, they can justify anything. Anything. Well, I know what the Lord says about being yoked to unbelievers, but honey, have you went to church? Ain't no men available nowhere. They all married or dysfunctional or broke. And since there's a famine... And I'm getting older, and they say little things like, I ain't getting no younger. My biological clock ain't ticking. It's broke. It don't even wind up no more. And when you talk to a carnal, per- a carnal person, talking to a carnal person, girl, I know, if watch, if he's even close to being a Christian, you better grab him. And when blind people lead blind people, they both fall in a ditch. And a year later, you block her on Facebook because you can't stand her because of the mess she's... Got you in. (laughs) If a man can't feed his children and you're talking to another carnal man, won't they come into agreement saying, you got to do something. If you don't know what to do, do something. Isn't that the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life? What does the last three things cost you when you just did something? Elimelech Assessed his situation, remembering who he was, and seeing the inactivity of God, he went and made choices contrary to the revealed will of God. Sometimes you have to close your eyes to see. You have to just close your eyes and say, I know who you are, Lord. I know what you've promised. And although my circumstances contradict my faith, I believe that you are who you said you are. And you will do what you said you will do. And even if there is no bread in the house of bread, listen, I would rather be hungry in your will than satisfied outside of your will. I would rather live with a gnawing emptiness and void waiting on your best than to go satisfy myself in a land that brings you dishonor and shame. Anybody else besides me, after wiping your mouth, eating the bread in a forbidden land, you felt horrible. You're not hungry no more, but you're laden with guilt because you know you chose for yourself. You did what was right in your eyes. The test is Will you wait on God to visit his people again with bread? Number two, Elimelech went to dwell in the land of Moab because he was a runner. I, don't, I know we don't have that problem here, but other churches do. So in case this message gets to them, I'm going to preach on this. Elimelech had problems, family problems economical problems, spiritual problems. So what do you do when you have problems that you don't have control over? You just leave. Just leave. Your, he didn't, but here's what runners look like. You just leave your spouse. Leave your children. Leave your career. Young people, leave your calling. When it gets tough, you know, you just quit. Take back your promises. Hey, there comes a time in every life when quit looks good. When mountains are unclimbable and rivers are uncrossable. Anyone could quit. If the victorious Christian life was easy, we'd have more victorious Christians. He ran away from his problems. He ran away because he felt so powerless. Now, let's side with Elimelech. We've, we've talked about his negativity uh, and, and, and his carnality. But what do you do when you pray all you know to pray? And there's no rain and there's no bread. I've got to take care of my family. I've got to go forward. I've got to finish. And when God's not answering, that is waiting is the whitest hot in the flame. It's the whitest flame in the arsenal of God. It burns like nothing else. If I'm just waiting on the Lord and he's not doing something, I feel powerless. Now, watch. So he's powerless in Bethlehem, but he's powerful in Moab. I can pick up my family. I can move. I'll show you. I can relocate. I can change my address. I can put bread in the mouth of my children. And some men will sell out their future for a moment of feeling powerful. When I had my back surgery, doctor came in and gave me a lot of instruction, most of which I've kept to the letter. The one I hadn't done so well is, it, don't pick up your babies. Well, good luck with that. So, Y'all saw me carrying Shamu in here before service. See? We put that boy's belt on with a boomerang at home. we uh, <laughs> That's just a joke. Where am I in my notes? Hold on. I really forgot what I was going to say. No, it wasn't white hot. Help me. Where was I? Well, doctors, doctor's office. Office. Back. Oh, yeah. My, the doctor told me. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. Oh, and by the way, if you're visiting with, let me tell you a gift that I give my church. Have any of you, be honest, ever been in a church where you knew the pastor lost his plates and he just talked for fifteen minutes till he found it? (laughs) I ain't doing that to you. I said, I just forgot what I was talking about. I just so. When I was at the doctor's office and he was telling me about my back and here's the things you do, and he said, "Now listen to me, John. Hey preacher, you want your people to listen to you, don't you?" I said, "Yes." He said, "Just because you can, doesn't mean you should." And just because you have the ability to choose for yourself doesn't mean you should. And if you do today, you may hurt for the rest of your life. Mm, That's good. Haley, wherever you are, I'm buying it. I'm buying my own CD today. He ran away from his difficulties into the arms of convenience for me. Convenience has rarely ever been the will of God. You know, uh, Jonah's running away from God, the call of God. I'm not going to preach to Nineveh. I'm not going to do it. He takes this several-mile trek down to the the bay at Joppa, uh, or uh, Nineveh, uh, and the ship's about to leave. And, oh, there just happens to be a ship going away from the will of God. Now see, in our day and age, buses leave on the hour, planes leave every 30 minutes. You could wait a month at the port. But Jonah goes down there to run away from, and here's this ship. Y'all have any space? We've got room for one more. Half price, come on. Oh, watch. For the carnal man, that looks like God's providing for me. God provided this girl And her therapist says next month she'll be all well and everything. She just came. And six of the seven voices in her head really like me. You, You think I'm kidding. I hear Christians talking this foolishness all the time. And because it's here, it must be the Lord. And because Moab is just right there and there's bread... I believe, I know what it looks like to you spiritual people, but I believe that the Lord has provided for me, listen to this foolishness, outside the parameters of what he has commanded. I don't care that it's another man's wife. The Lord told me, that's my girl. You're a fool. I know what the Lord says about uh, living immoral and shacking up before marriage, but I love her. And in the sight of God, I'm married. You're an idiot. Should I have used that word? Probably not. But I tell you this. If it would shake you enough to make you rethink your journey to Moab. Let me tell you how much this pastor loves you. And I I apologize for using that word. I didn't mean it that way. What I meant was this. He went into Moab full. You know what he left there? Three headstones. Him and his two boys. We cannot satisfy our desires even though we can. We should not satisfy our desires outside of the expressed will of God. It never works. It never works. It never works. It never works. I felt a check about that person in my heart before I married him. Because, but I married him anyway because I just there was just nobody else on the horizon. And young person... If you're listening to me today and you're not married, loneliness is an incredible thing. It's hard to explain to people. But all I can tell you is in my experience, for every person in their 30s that's not married, that craves companionship, I can show you 50 that married out of the will of God. And they'll tell you, we're making it work, we're in covenant, but I'm married out of the will of God because... I did not seek his counsel and his wisdom and I did not make that person pass the criterion of being equally yoked. Elimelech was a runner. He ran away from his responsibilities. He ran away from God's revealed will. He ran away and felt justified in doing so. Maybe he was running from God's judgment. The Bible spoke in the Old Testament when, when his people would Air and be idolatrous that he would often send famine to chastise them. And the Bible tells you in Hebrews, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. And some of us, when the Lord starts to discipline us and he closes doors, we run. When he starts to discipline us, it makes us angry and a, a rebellious child that doesn't want to be disciplined knows that if I leave the father's house, the father can't discipline me. But his word is crystal clear that when we allow ourselves to be Disciplined, it's evidence of our sonship. And no discipline at the present time seemeth joyous, but it later leads to the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Elimelech dwelt in the land of Moab because he was a runner. Nobody answered, but what are you running from today? What are you running to today? Running doesn't solve anything. It's funny... Facebook has been an educational tool for me. I'm amazed at the people. I know you're at 19, 21, 22, and you read this. That's it. I'm done. Leaving this city. Can't wait to get to Hey Hira. It's all gonna be different in Cordill at the King Frog exit up there at Adel. Once I get to Adel. Oh, God, so glad to leave Macon behind. And what do we know just because we've lived a while? The problems you had in Macon. Your dysfunctions, they follow you. If you had a corn on that right toe, when you left, when you get there, you're going to have... Listen to me. Running doesn't solve anything. Number three. I better get off that. Some of y'all lost your joy on number two. So we'll get to number three. He left Bethlehem and went to dwell in the land of Moab because it had become very difficult to stay. There was a famine there. A severe shortage of food resulting in violent hunger, starvation, and possibly death. There's a famine there. I'd not seen this till this study in preparation. for. I always thought it was really, really bad when he left. But Naomi said, we left full. And when she came back, she said, we came back empty. I believe he left before it really hit them. Famine was there, but they still had reserves and resources and once he saw difficulty coming, he ran. It was difficult for him. He could see it in being a father. How did, what do you say to your children when they're hungry and you have nothing to give them? It was going to be difficult for him as a husband. As his wife looked to him for provision, guidance and direction. It was going to be difficult for him as, as an Israelite. And it is for us as believers too. It's very difficult to explain to others because we don't have it explained in our own soul the answer of why wouldn't God provide bread at a house of bread? Why wouldn't God who is a healer provide healing? Why wouldn't a God who is a provider provide provision? And when your faith life gets difficult, you'll find that many people at that time choose to go to the convenient meeting of the temporal need outside of the boundaries of God's express will. For me, it's, as a believer, it's hard. May I share just a couple of personal things you might not know because your ministry might not be like mine. Mine's a platform and pulpit ministry. and After church, someone will ask me to pray for them to have children and then Kelly and I have not been able to have children. And then they'll ask me to pray for healing. And as last resort, I went to a surgeon who did a wonderful job on my back. But I can't tell you how many times I laid my hands on my own back and said, oh, Lord, you knit my spine together in my mother's womb. You can fix it. What do you do when what you believe is not your experience? It's hard. You have, it's, it's very tempting to go make something else work to keep God from looking bad. But we have to walk through those places. We have to trust in those places. When it's difficult to be, to be a Christian, we have to be a Christian nonetheless. When it's difficult to praise, we have to praise anyway. And when, when there's no food and there's a gnawing in your life, the gnawing to be healed or to be whole or to be, uh, have a companion, whatever it is, and it's not happening for you, it's easy to leave. It's hard to stick it out and stay with the Lord. For me, I think the most difficult thing about staying in Bethlehem is that there was no change on the horizon. I I, I believe, but I want to see some movement. Anybody else beside me, if I'm praying for rain, it don't have to rain today, but at least some wind or a cloud or a confirmation. And, you know, somebody call and say, I had a dream and you were standing in a mud puddle. I say, ooh, something from somewhere. But when you go and look and there is nothing and you go and look again and there is nothing and you go and look again there is nothing. It pushed Elimelech. Maybe your mind says this to you because it does. Mine says this to me at times. You have to do something. You have to live. Do I? I believe there's someone in this room You use that very phrase. I have to live. Do you? We are not called to preserve ourselves. We are called to commit ourselves unto the lordship of Jesus Christ. If I wait much longer, it'll be too late. And then the most overused and equally absurd statement. God will understand I have people tell me that, living in absolute adultery, and say, God understands. You don't know how lonely I've been. I said, Adultery. Well, God knows. You weren't there when I prayed to him. And I said, Adultery. Elimelech was one of the men that, when it got difficult, he justified disobedience. Number four. When Elimelech went to dwell in the land of Moab, he honored God's enemies. He honored them by ignoring how God felt about them and what he had commanded. He honored the Moabites by ignoring what harm they had brought to God's people. He honored them by looking to them for help, provision, preservation, and for a permanent address. The feeding of his family with Moab's bread, listen, and his silent willingness to live with them, gave merit to their belief that their God, small g, had provided what Jehovah, capital J, was not able to provide. When we look to the world for our substance, our sustenance, our preservation, our hope relies upon them, it is a screaming indictment against Jehovah God that He does not exist. That's one of the reasons God says, "Love the world. Don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If you love the world and look to them, you're the enemy of God. The world, lying under the spirit of the evil one, despises God and hates God. Now, we live in it, but we're not of it. We don't look to the world. We don't just grab what the world offers. We look to God as our source, not the world. Number five, and we only have six, by the way, almost there. Elimelech went to dwell in the land of Moab because he was hungry. I talked to you a moment ago about it being difficult, but he was hungry. An acute state of insufficiency. There are some of us in this room today that live in an acute state of insufficiency in one or more areas of our life. We hunger for allowable, legitimate things. Like acceptance and approval. Health and wholeness. Opportunity and success. Change and newness excitement and exhilaration, recognition, reward, purpose, promotion, comfort, pleasure, fulfillment, contentment, romance, affection, love and commitment, sharing of our life with someone else, intimacy, companionship, true friendship, stability, security, needs and wants. And I know that's an exhaustive list, but we hunger for those things and God allows them. Those aren't wrong things to hunger for. But then we can also hunger for things that are forbidden and unallowed. We hunger to be independent of God and other people. We hunger to live selfish, self-centered, and self-absorbed lives. We hunger for excess and satiation with no restraints and no accountability, whether it's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or pride of life, whether it's sex, or food, or power, or possessions, or status, We hunger for these things that God says are not ours to hunger for. They're things of this world. We're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then the things we need to be added unto us. We hunger for more than what we have. We hunger for what others have, and we hunger for more than we really need. We hunger to be first, to be center, to be heard and preferred. Here it is We hunger to be king. Well, God is my king. No. We hunger to be king, which means this. Elimelech was not only hungry for bread, but he was hungry to be the final authority in his life. Don't answer, but what is the final authority in your life? Is it your feelings? In the end, do they get the final say? Is it your uh, family? Is it your business? Or are you potentially like all of us have been? Have you fallen into the trap of doing what is right in your own eyes? If you are the final authority in your life, God is not. That's a humbling thing. You pick for me, Lord. You pick for me. Because you are My king. And finally, Ben, if you would come here, please. Elimelech went to dwell in the land of Moab. Ben might not be here. I don't know. Here he is. Okay. Elimelech went to dwell in the land of Moab because he could. I know some of y'all, when you listen to me preach, you go, that is the simplest guy that ever lived. I had one person tell me not too long ago they were trying to give me a compliment. They really were. They said, "I just love how you take these deep, profound truths and just break them down and make them simple." I said, "No, ma'am, no breaking down. I am simple." And she thought I was kidding. She said, ha, ha, ha. I said ah, "No, that was it. That was it. <laughs> this is how I think. It's the truth." Elimelech left because he could listen. If you were to ask me, which a lot of young students, high school, senior high, college ask me. They said, if you could tell me one thing, you know, uh, about a certain area, what would you? In my top ten, this is one of them. God will never stop you from walking away from him. Nowhere in scripture, it's not found. Here's the way he says it. If you want to leave. Leave. You want to leave me? Leave. You want to be king? Be king. You want to forget? Forget. You want to act like I don't exist? Act like it. I will never ask you to love me. I will never ask you or command you, I should say. I'll never command you to let me be king of your life. You remember the story of the prodigal? The son said, give me that which belongs to me. And he gave it to him and he went on his way into a far country. The father will never stop you from leaving. comma, And he'll never stop waiting on you to come home. That's my father. He could walk away because it was an option for him. If it's an option for you, then the potential is there to exercise that option. Do you have, a, have you struck a deal with God or did he purchase you? God, if you do this and this and this, then you're my God. There will come a day where you walk away. Because our commitment to God isn't conditional. Why? Because his commitment to me isn't conditional. He said, John, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He could walk his, walk away because his eyes were looking that way. Do you know you can't walk long where your eyes aren't looking? I mean, you can do stupid stuff. I'm going to walk backwards. You're going to fall in a hole or fall off a stage or something. And I felt in my heart, and I say this very humbly because I've been where you're sitting. There are people here today that you're still in Bethlehem, but your eyes are in Moab. Yes, they are. You haven't went there. But you're looking. You're fantasizing about what it would be like. And as an under-shepherd that cares for your soul, if that's you, it's just a matter of time before you leave. Because a man walks where he's looking. And where his treasure is, there will. It'll get there. His heart be also. So Alimelech went to Moab, died in Moab. He left his wife a widow. His boy Malam died. His boy Chilion died. I don't know who I'm preaching to over these last two or three minutes. But you're going to know that this part is for you from the Lord. The famine didn't kill him. His choices did. His choices destroyed his family. The thing he feared didn't kill him. Don't let... Your family pay the tab for your lack of courage. In difficult times, stand. In impossible times, stand. In challenging times, stand. When our prayers aren't answered, stand. When the world has what you're hungry for right there. Stand. Make sure you side here. So here we are. We finish with this. Naomi's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. And one commentator says, she then began to hear whispers of grace. Naomi heard that the Lord had visited his people again with bread. See, God was already preparing to take care of Elimelech. But because he didn't see it, he made a move that cost him his life and his son's lives. I just want to go on record. It's not in my sermon. It wasn't on my notes. I'm grateful for my earthly dad who, when he was stripped back to nothing, lifted his hands to God and said, If you kill me, I'm not going to turn away from you. He left something in me that says, I'm not on this side for the bread. I'm on this side for the king. And God came again and it rained and the bread was available. And all the people that roughed it out, they didn't die in famine. It was just hard. But the people in Moab died. And this is what I wanted to finish with. You're two verses away from all that you want two verses. If you're on your way to Moab, Christian, stop. Just stop. You don't have to give the devil two weeks notice. Turn back around and just no, I'm going back. If you're in Moab, repent. and Go back home. And for the majority of you that this message is applicable to, you're in Bethlehem and you're really so hungry that you think you're going to die. I woke up this morning to tell you what you're hungry for is coming because the Lord's going to visit His people again with what He promised. Amen? Amen. Would you honor the Lord this morning? Would you stand with us? This is very hard what I'm about to ask, but, and I don't always ask it. Most of the time we do. I want to start with the fathers, and we'll be out of here in just, just a couple minutes, two or three minutes, we'll be out of here. There's something about men. We, we're pride-filled. We'll drive around to England trying to find Valdosta. We're not asking nobody, because I'm a man, I can do this. But there's something about a man that will repent publicly. It assaults his pride. It's it's like a mortal wound to that old man and says, God, instead of turning my back on you, I turn my back on myself. You are my king. And I'm asking you to guide my life and my family. It may be one guy, it may be 30, I don't know. But I wanna give you an opportunity. Nobody's gonna embarrass you. No one's gonna come pray with you. Would you, sir, break open the pipeline for this church today and say, I repent. God, I want you to be the king of every area of my life. And if that applies to you, I want you to just come stand in the front, men first. God bless you. And some, a lot of you are. God is your king. But it's a recommitment. It's, I'm standing before the Lord God today. You're my king. You're my king. Look at him coming. You're my king. Now, once you get in the altar, don't look to me. Just start talking to God. You're my king. Don't let my babies pay the tab of a mistake. Oh God, you're my king. I repent. I look to you. I look to you, Lord. I look to you, Lord. Forgive me for even looking into Moab. Oh, God, take care of my wife and my babies. Don't let me make that mistake. Wives, if your husband is here, as quickly as you can get down here, you come behind him and hold on to him and say, lead our family. Lead us. Take care of us. I trust you. I trust you. Leave our babies a legacy. Don't lead us into Moab. You're my husband. The husband of my youth. Don't lead us into Moab. We trust in you. We trust in you. Now for those mamas that you're by yourself with your babies. If God is your king... Just come and we're going to pray over you. Lord, I just want you to know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No Moab for me. For the single moms, just come. Come, come. Not going to live there. Not going to look there. Not going to die there. Bethlehem, our home. Our home. And those in the congregation spend our last minute telling the Lord for you. Lord, you're my king. That's it for me. You're it. Where you say live, we live. What you say do, we do. What you tell us is forbidden, it's forbidden. And I live in rest today because my king will take care of me. My king will take care of me. I just feel in my spirit there are men in this altar. They are hungry, but they're still holy. If I get what I ask for, or I don't get it, I'm staying in Bethlehem. God's gonna visit me again. God's gonna visit me with bread, that which I've hungered for, that which I need. those in the altar would you look this way we have to keep our commitment to the auxiliaries I want to encourage you with this last thing especially the men listen we are flawed at the deepest places we can't hide it our wives see it from start to finish listen we're flawed but there's one part there's one part that you have absolute control over nobody can make you do nothing you don't want to do Men, if I don't want to do it, I want to. You can speak for your family and wrap your arms around them and be the vanguard. Not your wife waking them up for church. You're the one on Sunday. But we're not deciding on Sunday. This is who we are. We're already telling our little girls this is who the Woods are. My wife's echoing us. I want to tell you something. You want a submissive wife? Lead her into green pastures. Lead her beside still waters. Lead her into the favor of God. She'll follow a man to do that. I don't want anyone in this church to leave nothing in Moab, especially our children. Bread's coming. Hey, there's nothing like the smell of fresh bread. I promise you it's coming. Stay put. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. God bless you, saints.